Well, good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning for worship. If you're new with us, we're glad you're here. We have a, a no table at the back that we'd love for you to drop by on your way out this morning. Just a few uh, announcements for y'all. Number one, you can tell that I'm not Brother David. I'm Brother David nor Brother Randy. They are both in the Holy Land, and Brother David shared with me this morning that uh, he is praying for us, that he misses all of y'all. And uh, if you've missed him, he will be here Wednesday night with a jet lag ready to share all that God has done on the trip to Israel. Um, I I don't know if you've ever experienced uh, Brother David with jet lag coming back from Israel, but I remember last trip... I got to spend a couple days in Dallas right when he got back from Israel. And it is a, it's a blessing, to say the least. So you want to make sure that you're here Wednesday to see what all God has done while they are over there. So while they are there, let us remember to keep praying for them. Uh, Grand Monday night, we'll meet tomorrow night at 6.30 in the youth room. And if you would love to be a part of that, it's going to be a blessing as well. Remember, we have a group preparing to go to Alaska here in July. And so we're asking if you'd be willing to write encouragement cards and put those in the mailbox back there at the go table between now and the time that they leave. We also have a new member class that begins next Sunday, June 11th at nine o'clock in the morning. And it will be in here and it will meet for the next three weeks, the 11th, the 18th and the 25th. If you haven't signed up, you're interested in that. Again, you can go to the note table and find out some more information for that as well. Again, we are glad that you are here. We're glad that we're ready to to worship the Lord together. And so in saying that, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to stand up and worship through song. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Dear God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for the time you've given us, Lord, to gather as a body. God, I pray for those that are in Israel right now, God, that as they are seeing, God, all the places that you've been, God, the places we've read, God, I pray that the the word just comes alive to their hearts. God, I pray for us this morning as we gather. Lord, this isn't just another Sunday that we come together, but God, this is a special day. God, a day that we set aside to remember, God, that you are the risen Savior that's ruling and reigning. God, it's a day that we set aside, God, to worship you through song. God, it's a day that we set aside to worship through your word. Lord, I pray that's exactly what we do today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us today. We're going to worship in spirit and in truth. Why don't you stand and welcome someone to Luke 418 Fellowship as we begin to rejoice in the Lord today. Rejoice in the Lord now and always. Sing it again, we rejoice. Delight in the love He has shown us. Gratefully lift up your voice. His gentleness among us will join our hearts with praise. We gather in his goodness, a family of grace. With each breath he's given, praise the Lord. In these times we live in, we will praise the Lord. Throughout every season, I am sure we have every reason to praise the Lord. Rejoice and be anxious for nothing, praying for all that you need. 
Worship the Lord to remember all of the joys yet to come. The hope that burns within us, the dark cannot destroy. With praise that's never ending, we say again rejoice. With each breath He's given, praise the Lord in these times. a new song. It says in the good times and in the bad times, he's still worthy of our praise. Amen. He is a great and wonderful God. Let's continue to lift his name high today. Oh Lord, my God. Oh Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Ha! 
Then sings my soul. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to continue in worship today. He is a great God. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at once, and He knows your name. The greatest thing that God did for us was send His Son, Jesus, and knowing Jesus makes all the difference. Amen? Doing things for Jesus is what's going to last, what's going to matter, and we have the privilege of doing that together, knowing Christ intimately, growing in Him daily and in community and being able to go in Him to all the world. That's what this song says. Knowing you, there is no greater thing. Let's sing that today. All I want, hell dear, build my life upon all this world reveres and wars to own. All I want, To become like you in your death, my 
spoken about how in every season we praise the Lord because He is worthy. We've said how great He is. We're saying that knowing Him makes all the difference. And now we need to choose that. Just like the man who bought the field, he sold everything he had and he bought that field. That's what our life needs to be like, taking up our cross daily and following Him. If you're tired of the rut that you are in, that you came in here on, you can come to this altar. Make it right with Him and live a life of significance. Live a life for Him. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ of Jesus Christ leave behind your regrets and mistakes come today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the prayer. Blood of Jesus Christ, oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
Father, we come to you humbly and say, if there's anything between you and us, we lay it down at this altar because you are worthy, because you are great. Let's sing this together. Let's sing, oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't Born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, oh, come to the altar. Our open wide was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ. cross as you wait for the crown tell the world of the treasure you found amen let's pray together dear Heavenly Father you are a treasure, a thing to be prized the treasure, the way, the truth and the life today And as we just think about how wonderful the victory we have in you is, we know that we live in a world that is dark, that is sinful. But you have given us that light. You have given us the Holy Spirit to go and to share with others. And I pray that in the good times and in the bad, when we have a lot on our plate, when we have some free time, Lord, that it would all be given to you, that we would choose you in every situation. We pray it in your lovely name. Amen.
what God had promised I didn't see how he could work it for my good Yet that road where pain was my companion It took me to an unexpected place And standing in the middle of the darkness Was where my heart would learn to say Oh, I choose
Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, if you will open up with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is where we're going to be looking at this morning. It is a beautiful book that I think oftentimes gets neglected. It's a book that our student ministry here spent the spring studying through. And if I'm going to be completely honest with you, uh, this morning, I have wrestled through this entire book. Um, I don't know if it is, uh, 30 was not a hard year for me. It was just another year, but 31 uh, psychologically has, uh, has felt different. And, and it's, it's not because like in my mind, I'm not 40 or 50 or 60 or 90 or 120. Like I, I still feel young, but I'm also at the stage that I look at some stuff and go, hmm, yeah, I, I don't want to break a bone and end up in the hospital. Like, like there, there's that, that, that issue of uh, mortality, I guess, has started to settle in a little bit more that I, I'm, I'm willing to go do some things that I probably shouldn't, but I also know that if I get hurt, I pay for the bill and not my parents. Um, there, there, there's this, this wrestling that has taken place uh, this Year, but Ecclesiastes is an absolutely beautiful book. It, it is a book of a father writing to his son, sp- spilling his heart out that he has gone and he has tried all of these things and none of it satisfied. Well, if we went back and look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1, it says, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It's like chasing after the wind. There's this meaninglessness, this purposelessness of all of life. That you can go and pursue the American dream. We can live our best life. We can go in pursuit of money. We can go and live in pursuit of wisdom. We can pursue experiences. We can pursue having the best garden. And we can pursue all of this stuff. And Solomon says it's meaningless, it's pointless. Unless... We view it all through the lens of Christ. I don't know how many of you are, are fishermen or fisherwomen. Um, I love to fish, and I remember when I was younger, I did a lot of pond fishing, and I was talking to my uncle, and <laughs> we were talking about fishing, and I said, you know, it's really hard to kind of see where they're bedding. And he said, what do you mean? I said, you know, when, when brim are bedding, you, normally a lot of people try to go fish and, and catch them then. And I was like, man, I can't, I can't never look into the water and see. He's like, do you wear sunglasses? I said, every time I wear sunglasses, I got the $10 glasses from Walmart. And I put them on, and I go out there, and I'm looking into the pond, and I see nothing but shiny water. And my uncle said, are your sunglasses polarized? I said, no, they're just sunglasses. What does polarized even mean? And he explained to me that when you get polarized sunglasses, you put them on, and you go pond fishing, or I go fishing in the streams and the mountains. Polarized sunglasses take the shine off the water. You, you can kind of see down into what you're looking at. And as a fisherman, in some areas, it's vital. When, when I was a fly fisherman in the mountains of North Carolina, when I had my polarized sunglasses on, I could not only just look down into the water to see where a trout was that I was trying to approach and target, but if you're walking through mountain streams, there are a lot of rocks in that water. And if you're not careful and knowing, oh, there's a rock here, and step over, you're going to fall and hurt yourself. And so polarized sunglasses are a very key piece. And when I think of 
the Scripture, when I think of the Word of God, and we particularly look at the book of Ecclesiastes, Jesus is like having polarized sunglasses. When we look through the lens of Christ at all of Scripture, it removes the shine, it, it, it removes the glitter, it removes all the stuff that sometimes is hard to understand or sometimes distracts us, and it really lets us see its purpose. When we, we look at our life, there are lots of things that are, are shiny. There's a lot of things that are mystery or we really don't understand. God, where are you at in this? God, I need you to help me understand this. That when we look at life through the lens of Christ as the centerpiece, he clears up all the reflections. He takes away all those distractions. And that is my prayer for us this morning as we jump here into Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that we see this. That we see that all of life apart from Christ really is meaningless. This morning's title for the message is The Beauty Between. And as we look at this beauty between, we, we ask this question of what is the circle of life turn, turn, turn by the birds and time by hitting the blowfish teach us about time and the thread between. For my generation, the iconic song of our childhood was The Circle of Life by Lion King. It's the circle of life and it moves us all through despair and hope, through faith and love, till we find our place on the path of unwinding in the circle of life. We think of turn, turn, turn by the birds. There's this time, and it's really that song is literally just reading uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, but what is its premise? What is its thrust? What is it getting at? That in life, it doesn't matter how bad things get, good times are coming. Or in time by hooting the blowfish, time, why do you punish me like a wave bashing into the shore? You wash away my dreams. Time, why do you walk away like a friend with somehow to go? You left me crying. You teach me about tomorrow and all the pain and sorrow running free. Customer, it's just another day and I don't believe in time. This, this image of time is hurting. It, it's painful. There's another song that I think of that paints this really beautiful picture from King's Kaleidoscope, and it's called The Beauty Between. It says this, I can't wait for summer, but now I'm missing the spring, and I exhausted the winter, craving what it couldn't bring, painting the world to be hopeless, painting it perfect and fine. But I want on the canvas every color my design. How do I hold all of this discord? All of my answers collide, fighting for progress in quicksand. There's no tr- truth between the pride. Nobody sees all the pieces, tricky to balance a beast. I'm a pendulum swinging, so I know you're holding me. When the sky is falling and when life is a dream, I fortunately fall in the beauty between. How now all the pressure has got me way down. Nowadays, I'm looking for a way out. Instead of getting out, I'm supposed to. Through that situation, God brought me closer. Holes in my faith, I hold them like tension. Made my profession that became my profession. The answer came to like a question, if it all fell apart, would I trust in God? And if it's all good, would I need him at all? And that's when I found that beauty in between. If you know that, you don't know much, you know just what I mean. And when the sky is falling and when life is a dream, I fortunately fall into the beauty between. Only God above me painting my scene. I fortunately fall into the beauty between. Give me water, lift it up. Take my time to taste the cup. And realize a different story, full of life and full of glory. It's a beautiful song that really what we will see this morning 
is that in this life, there are good times and there's hard times. We, we live in this time that is between where we go to school and we do homework assignments and we find these seasons and we go to doctor's appointments and we go to work and we find ourselves living in this circular pattern where we wake up and we do the same thing we did yesterday. And we continue this circular pattern and eventually it feels mundane. It feels meaningless. It feels like there is no purpose. And my prayer for us today is as we dive into God's word that we remember Solomon's word as an older man writing to his son in the hustle and bustle of life, the dreariness, the mundaneness, the circularness of life, that God does give us beauty between our first breath and our last. So let's jump into Ecclesiastes chapter 3 this morning. Starting in verse 1, it says this, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. Time to tear and a time to sow, a time to silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And what gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with, and he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he's put eternity into their hearts. Yet so that he cannot find what God has done from the beginning to the end, I perceive that there is nothing better for them to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his soul. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor nothing taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has already been, and that which is to be has already been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, thank you so much for the blessing it is, God, to share your word today. Lord, I pray that as we come to this time of studying your word, examining your word, God, I pray that, Lord, whatever distractions we have going on at home, at work, in our families, God, I pray that we can put those away. God, this can be just a holy moment that we reflect on you, God, that we reflect on the seasons of life that we find ourselves in. God, that we can stop and smell the roses and God, see that in every season it is beautiful because you created it. God, may we fall more in love with you this morning. It's in Christ and we pray. Amen. So we'll see a few truths this morning from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. The first truth that I think we see here from the word is number one is this, is understanding the circle of life. To understand the circle of life. For us to understand this beauty between, we really need to understand the circle of life. And I think of it kind of like the great theological work, The Lion King. This is a great big picture that we see this scene early on in the movie where Mufasa and Simba are walking through the pride land and 
as they're talking along the path, there's this wisdom coming from Mufasa, and they're talking about the antelope and the grass, and Mufasa looks at Simba and shares with him that when we die, our bodies become the grass, and the antelope eat the grass, and we eat the antelope, and thus is the circle of life. The best attempt I have at James Earl Jones, it was terrible, and I do apologize. But if we remember that scene, we see that circle of life. We see this, that everything is circular, that we live, we breathe, we die. And when we understand this circle, when we understand all of this, we understand that God has given us seasons. That's what he says in verse 1. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There's a season and there's a time for everything. There's a big overarching circle. God gave us seasons. In life, we have different seasons. We think of creation. We go back to Genesis chapter 1. God created four seasons. He gave us spring and summer and fall and winter. In Mobile, we really have two-ish. We, we, we don't get to experience the beauty of fall nor do we really get to experience the beauty of winter. But in 2014, when I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, I remember seasons. It was the first time in my life I'd actually lived somewhere where seasons changed. I I remember when we moved there August 1st, it was hot. And it was a different type of hot than Mobile. There there was no breeze that kind of cooled you off. You were just stagnant, hot. And we lived there, and then all of a sudden, September hits, and mid-September, you wake up and go, something's different. It's not as hot this morning. And then all of a sudden, October comes, and we see colors like I'd never seen before. All these old historic oak trees start to change all different types of colors, And I feel like I lived in every Hallmark, Halloween, fall, autumn movie that's ever been created in the world. It was like it was filmed right there where I lived. It was breathtaking to see all these colors. And then not only all these colors, but all these leaves raked up on the side of the street. It was a beautiful season. And then as soon as fall ends, you get winter. And the leaves are no longer there. The trees are bare and the clouds turn gray. And we see that there is a beauty in all of this. That God has created all of these seasons. And when we understand that all of our life are little seasons that connect together to make this big picture of our lives, it helps us understand this beauty between. And as such, by understanding the circle of life, it helps us to do a few things. The first thing it helps us to do is to understand the seasons of life that we're in. The first thing we understand in life is that there truly are seasons of our life for everything. There's a time for us to be born. Every one of us in here have experienced that. Whether we remember it or not, every one of us have been born in here. If not, you wouldn't be here. All of us have not experienced the next thing it says is that there is a time to die. We haven't died yet, but I guarantee you we know someone who has. We know that there is a time to be born and there is a time to die. There's a time to plant and there's a time to harvest. There's a time to kill and there's a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to move on. Time to build up and a time to weep. 
There's also a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to lose and a time to be silent. There's also a time to speak. But as we grow up and as we age, we become more aware of the seasons of life people are in. And understanding these seasons, understanding life. We start to understand that there is a mundaneness in all that we do. That it's circular, that there's this rhythm. And that there's times to celebrate. There's times to love. There's also times to hate and a time for war and times of peace. We start to understand these seasons and we also understand that in every season there's also consequences in our lives. There's consequences for everything we do. When we understand the season of life, we get this big picture of everything that's working together. It really does help us to slow down and appreciate it. When we really start to see how all of life fits, when we start to see how all of life works together, and it's this one big pattern, this one big circular motion, it helps us not only to appreciate the season of life that we're in, but it also helps us to understand how we are to live in community together. How does it help us understand community? There's a time to be joyous. There's a time to be happy. Well, at the same time, there are seasons of our life that are hard and burdensome, are there not? How, how, do, how do we go through moments of life that we are celebrating and excited, and then the next thing we flip from this conversation into this conversation, and it's more serious, a little more weighty, a little bit harder. When we understand the seasons of life, that there is a time and a season for everything under heaven, it helps us live in community better. I'll give you an example. Let's say this morning that we were having a funeral. If we were going to have a funeral here this morning, we think of funerals, we think of that as a time for mourning. It's a time to be broken, it's a time to be sad, that there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to say that there's nothing wrong with being broken. There's nothing wrong with mourning the loss of a loved one. Yes, we celebrate their life. Yes, we celebrate that if they're a believer, we get to see them again. But in our culture, we've tried to push away the hard things. We want to ignore the pain. Do we not? We try to paint a different picture of what it is, but death is real. We need to come to this time of really grappling with it. And so if we were to show up here this morning, we were going to have a funeral, and it's a solemn, peaceful viewing of the body. And instead of showing up in a, a spirit of somberness or a spirit of understanding that we're having a, a, a viewing and then we're going to have a funeral to after, and instead of showing up and we're kind of quiet and serious and solemn, I come through the back doors and go, what's up, everybody? Let's go. Come on. What would everyone in here do? Whoever is sitting here who's quiet, respectful, would all turn around and go, who in the world just came through the back of this? Would we not? Why? Because when we understand the season that people are in, we're in better community with them. That's why in Romans it says we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. That in every season of life, when we see the overarching picture that we have gone through life, 
And we know what it's like to mourn. We know what it's like to hurt. We know what it's like to be broken. Then God has called us to live this life in community with others to where we are there with them when they're broken and when they're hurting. While at the same time as we also rejoice with those who rejoice. So there are times that if I was to show up at somebody's birthday party and I come in in a black suit and I just kind of come in quietly. So glad it's your birthday today. I hope you have a good day today. And I walk off and sit down wherever they're seating. I completely missed how to celebrate what those people are celebrating. When we understand that there's a time to be born and there's a time to die, there's a time to laugh and there's a time to mourn, when we understand the seasons of life that not only we are in, but those around us are in, it causes us to live together better. It causes us to truly, deeply care about one another. We embrace these times. We embrace the times that we laugh. There's a time to dance. There's time to keep silent. There are times to speak. There's times to love, and there's times for peace. We will learn how to live together better this mundane, circular life that seems to have no end. When we have community, we realize we're not alone. We realize we have other people walking through this with us. And, and I will say this. I had a brother say this last week when he was preaching at his church, talking about the first time he went to somebody that had just lost a loved one, and this was the advice that the guy gave him. When you don't know what to say, which is common, I think that's one of the hardest things. Sometimes we just have no clue what to say. This person just lost their spouse. I've never lost my spouse. What in the world do I have to say? Your presence speaks volumes. God calls us not to live a life alone. He calls us to live a life in community. When we understand the life that he has given us and we understand the circularness, we understand the big overarching picture and the big seasons that we find ourselves in, it causes us to live in community better. But it also does this. It helps us understand our sin. When we understand the seasons of life, it helps us understand our sin. It's a sobering part of the circle of life. It helps us understand our sin better. We were back, if we go back into verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to weep, a time to mourn. Time for war, time for hate. All of those things are byproducts of our sin. So time to die, time to weave, a time to mourn, a time to lose, a hate. All these things, when God created everything, he said it was very good. We go back into Genesis chapter 1 and 2. He created all things, and he said it was very good. And then we sinned. We messed up. We rebelled against a holy God. When we got to walk in perfect peace with God, all of a sudden we walk in disharmony with God. We walked with him in the cool of the day, and as a result of the fall, we see devastation that sin truly has affected every aspect of us. We were gaining wisdom, we're gaining understanding of our sin because when we understand this, we understand that sin was not natural, that death was not part of how God created it, that we were to live forever with him. When we understand this, we understand the gravity of it. 
its effects on all of us. That we know it's not natural. That it wasn't supposed to be this way. It gives us a weightiness just to understand this world. And it helps us to navigate it. When we understand our sin, every sin that we create has a consequence. We understand the circle of life that we're going to die because of our sin. That why is there a time to hate? Because of our sin. Why do we go to war? It's because of our sin. We talked about Christ as a lens by which we interpret and view the whole world. When we understand sin, it helps us understand that everything that we see is a byproduct of it. That wasn't how God created it, the circle of life. When we understand the circle of life, it helps us understand the seasons of life we find ourselves in. It helps us to live in community better. It helps us to see our sin. We don't ignore the hardships of life. I want you to hear that. We don't ignore the hardships of life. You're never going to grow and you're never going to become mature and actually be effective for the kingdom of God if we just ignore the hard parts of our life that we don't want to deal with. So the question is what gain in all of life, this circular life, in death and weeping, mourning, laughter, dance, all of this is hinging on one point. And this is what he says. What gain has the worker from all his toil? Is there a purpose? When there seems to be a time for everything, and we think in our own lives, there's this picture of life. We see this mundaneness that time, I I think of my life and Shelby's life. There's a time to do dishes and there's a time to put them away. There's a time to do dishes and there's a time to put them away. We think of laundry. There's a time to wash clothes and put them in the dryer. You fold them, you put away, and a couple days later, you know what? You're doing laundry again. Does that not become mundane? Or we think of, of work. I go to work. I finish these assignments. I get this deadline due and I do this and all of a sudden... You know what? It's Monday morning tomorrow, and I go back to work. Or I have doctor's appointments. I go see this doctor on this day and this doctor on this day, and we plan our lives around when is our next doctor's appointment. I've learned this with Shelby's grandfather. His whole life revolves around which doctor does he go see this week or next. And so whatever he does revolves around those doctor's appointments. When we understand all of this life and this circular pattern, these rhythms, these mundanes, these, if we want to reference it, these groundhog moments that we just wake up and do it all over again and go to bed and wake up and do it all over again. When we understand all of this, what gain? What gain is there in all of this? And I, I tell you this, when you really understand the circle of life, it paints this beautiful picture of life between That's the next thing I want us to see this morning is beauty in all of life. There truly is a beauty in every season of life. We look down to verse 10. I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. There's this busyness. We're going, we're going, we're doing, and we're doing, we're doing all these things. And then he says this very beautiful statement in verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. I think when we're students or we're we're parents or or we're grandparents, we understand these seasons. And I think at different parts of our lives, time seems slow. 
Like I think when I was in high school, man, I cannot wait for Christmas break. I can get through these next three weeks of school. I won't hurt anybody. I'm not going to go to the principal's office. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And we're going to get through this because Christmas break is coming. And then Christmas break comes and we start back to school in January. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not going to go to the principal's office. I'm going to figure out how to do this math. If I, 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 spring break is coming. If I could just get to spring break, and then after spring break, all I got is a month left, and I am free. And then summer comes. And then you're like, freedom! And like, we're happy. And then all of a sudden, two weeks into July, and you go, oh no. Here it comes again. And it seems like you're never going to get through this. And then as a, adults, we, we, we get to these stages of life where we're going and we're doing and we're working. And we say, okay, if I can just get this Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon comes. It's the weekend. And then about 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock on Sunday, we go, oh, no. Tomorrow is Monday. Which I will just throw this out. Monday is my favorite day of the week. Like, they laugh at me. I come in Monday, and I'm like, let's hit the ground running. We got things to do. Like, it's the most productive day of the week for me. I, like, I love it. I don't understand why people go, like, bracing before the storm. It's the best day of the week. You get so much done. Everyone else is normally, like, sad and somber and, like, in their pity par- parties. And I'm like, let's, let's go. We got things to do. But when we understand this beauty of life, that he has made everything beauty, beautiful, let's go back to the seasons. He's made a time for everything. Go back, go back to seasons. Again, if you've lived in Mobile your whole life, imagine with me a place that has four seasons. We get to spring. It's beautiful. We start to get happy. We get into summer, and there's this freedom that we can go, and we can do, and we can see, and we can swim, and we can go on vacations. And then school starts back, and we enter into the most beautiful time of the year, football season slash the fall. The leaves start to change. The days get a little bit shorter, but the plus of the day is getting shorter is it starts to cool off outside. You need a jacket in the mornings, you know. I know this is hard for us to envision, but just envision it with me. You need a jacket in the mornings. The, the leaves have all changed all kinds of beautiful orange and reds and yellows, and it's just breathtaking in the mornings and breathtaking when the sun's setting, and it's just casting that beautiful light on it. And then all of a sudden, winter hits. The leaves are gone. The days are short, the days are cold, the rain slash snow slash ice, depending on the temperature, sets in. There's no clouds, it's just gray outside. And you're going, hmm, when is spring going to get here? And then spring comes and the, the flowers start to blossom again and the trees start to bud again. And there's life that comes back into everything that once seemed dead. But the truth is, in each one of those seasons, summer, spring, fall, and winter, God made each one of them beautiful. If you've ever watched snowfall, not a flurry, but like snowfall, like inches accumulate, it's beautiful. It's breathtaking. Seeing how it lays onto trees and how it covers your grass. The only negative to a really good snowfall is when you have to start shoveling out your cars. Again, I said, envision this with me. I know some of y'all hadn't experienced this blessing. But when we understand that this beauty of life, that God has made every season beautiful, everything he has made beautiful in its time, 
Each season there is a beauty, and each season there is a picture of lots of different things. We see beauty in all these seasons because God created them with a purpose. And that's where we understand that even in the mundane, there is a purpose behind it. When we get bogged down in the dreariness of life, the hustle and the bustle, but we understand that he made everything beautiful in its time. We also see at the last part of verse 11, not only did he make everything beautiful in the time, but he put eternity in the hearts of man. He put eternity into the hearts of man. So interesting. When we think of eternity, we think of this long, never-ending element of time that we have a hard time just wrapping our minds around. But yet we see in James that our life is but a vapor. It's here one moment and gone the next. It's like the morning dew. When the sun gets up, it burns it all away. So how do we see this? How do we understand that in life we have these seasons, these moments Some of them are short, difficult seasons, and some of them are long, difficult seasons. Some of them are short rejoicing, and some of them are hard. Sometimes we see life as it's just forever. Like like as a middle school or high school, I look at life and go, it's never, I'm never going to get to that phase. I'm never going to get to that point. It just seems so distant, and then I think as we grow up, life doesn't seem so distant anymore. It, It starts to pass us by. And we look back and go, man, what happened? We really struggle with this. We, we, we struggle with our lives. We start to struggle at some point and wrestle through with our mortality. Then we start to understand that time is pressing. It looms over our shoulders. And we understand that with every breath we take, we're one breath away from eternity. And what's so interesting when we think of time is that when we were in the garden, time was a blessing from God because it was endless. It was never ending. You spent perfect harmony with God, and yet time for us is our greatest enemy, is it not? I just don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. I didn't get everything I needed to. I ran out of time. As one person put it, it's because we still have Eden in our veins. There's still an element of us that long for the eternal. That's because God put eternity in our heart. He created us to want something more. That we knew there was more to life than just this. There was more to life than just being born and dying. Deep down in the darkness of our souls, we know that we were meant for something bigger. And God desires to have that relationship with us, that when we really come into a right relationship with God, the mundane of life shifts. Again, I think of school. It was not my best friend. The greatest blessing of school for me growing up was it allowed me to play on a golf team and it allowed me to see my friends. The academic side was uh, struggling. It was was not my interest, and uh, all my teachers know that I've apologized for uh, my shortcomings in my academic endeavors. But I really, really couldn't stand going to school. I, I dreaded it. I knew it was eight hours of my life that I didn't think I was ever going to get back. But something happened when I came into a relationship with God. We talk about the the dreariness, the the dreadedness of something. That school no longer became a burden or a chore for me. But I saw school as an opportunity to go and live on mission for God. When we had breaks, 
where we could hang out with other students and we could talk and not get in trouble, which is like the highlight of the day for me. I looked out and said, God, who is it you want me to have a conversation with today? And I would beeline to him. I had 10 minutes to talk to him about Jesus. When I went into the classroom where I could not speak to people, I said, okay, God, you have brought me into here to learn anatomy. When am I going to use anatomy in my life? I have no clue. But I'm going to study this because it's a way of worshiping and honoring you. When we understand that God puts eternity in our hearts, that he rewires the way we view all of life when we come into a relationship with him, that rewires the way that we think. We see a beauty in life because we start to view life in the way it was supposed to be viewed with God. We cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. We see that in 1 Corinthians 13. There comes a time when I know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, I'll be fully known just as I have been fully known. Like we see this picture that we look into this mirror dimly, but one day we're going to know. And that's when we come to a relationship with God, we understand that this big picture, this beauty of life that God has created, each individual detail of it. We understand that he's given us these seasons. We understand that he's given us to enjoy as he says, I've looked at all of life. Enjoy it. Enjoy each season. The, the good and the bad and the ugly, God has given us to enjoy it. To take pleasure in it all of time because it is a gift from God. That God created each season of our life. There's nothing that takes place in our lives that happens outside of the scope and will of God. So the question that we have to grapple with today is this. How well do you understand your life? How well do you understand your life? Have you stopped to smell the roses? There is this circle of life and all these things are going and going and there's these joys and there's hardships and there will always be joys and there's always going to be hardships. But by understanding it, it helps us to prepare our lives to understand God's beauty in the good and in the bad. I'll give you an example. Growing up, like I said I was not the brightest crayon in the box. Seventh, eighth, ninth grade, I started getting smarter somehow, at least in this situation in 10th grade. Played golf, and I loved spring and summer, mostly because it was freedom from school. But I loved it because it warmed up, and it gave me more hours to play golf. And so the first warm day of spring, what does everyone go do? That first really warm day, we all go outside whether to do yard work, to go play golf, to go swimming, to go to the beach, whatever it is. And so the first really warm day of spring, I was at the golf course, and I wouldn't put on sunscreen. Because when I was 7th, 8th, ninth grade, I get burnt one time, and then it's, I'm done for the year. I get one good burnt crisp, and then, I, then I'm good. I don't have to worry about this sunscreen stuff. I hated the way it felt on my skin. Like, I just hated it. And... You know, never failed the first warm day of spring, and I didn't put sunscreen on. Often received the blessing of sun poisoning because I'm fair skinned. But the rest of the year, once I got through that, I could say, if I can make it through this week where I'm peeling away chunks of my skin and where like anything that touches me hurts, if I could just get through this week, I'm good for the rest of the year. And all of a sudden, about seven years ago, there became this fashion trend that I started to notice. These men that would come in with a big Band-Aid over their ear or a big Band-Aid on their cheek or on their forehead or, or somewhere else, and I'd just kind of go, I guess they fell or something. I don't know. 
wouldn't ask questions because we're told we don't ask questions. Like we just know things happen in life. And I had one of them say, man, you don't, you, you, you don't worry about it. I just had to have something cut off. I said, you had to have something cut off? What do you mean you had to have something cut off? <clears throat> he looked at me and said, oh, yeah, I had a spot. that was kind of cancerous. They cut it off. I'm like, are you okay? N- never heard of skin cancer. And said, so, no, it's like just little spots. And from time to time, they'll go check different spots. I'm going, Okay. Next week, another man has spots cut off of him, and another man has spots cut off of him. And eventually I realized, when I hit that stage of life, I don't want to be cut on. So now I wear long sleeve shirts, microfiber, and I have a big flappy hat that covers my ears, and I bathe in sunscreen. Because I go, you know, when I get older, I don't like going to doctors, but I definitely don't want to go to a doctor where they just cut stuff off of me or burn stuff off of me all the time. That doesn't sound fun to me. And uh, when, when I say that, we understand that we, God has given us these seasons that we glean wisdom from those who have gone before us. And that's what Solomon's writing in this book. He's saying, hey, in all of these seasons, all of these things, don't make the same mistakes that I did. When we understand that God makes everything beautiful in his life, we start to see that God has created us for so much more. He put eternity in our hearts. So some of you in here, maybe you're, you're wrestling or you're grappling with, is there more to life than this? Like I, I go through the mundane and I, I go to school, I go to work, I, I do all these different things that I'm supposed to do, but it does not satisfy me. It does not make me happy. It doesn't feel like it gives me purpose or meaning in my life. And this is the reason why you need Christ. When we find, this is what C.S. Lewis said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we're made for another world. God put eternity in your heart. Have you given your life to him? That's what some of you need to do in this, this morning as we think through these seasons and these joys of our lives that God placed eternity in your heart. And if you're not satisfied, that nothing truly satisfies you in your life, the question must be, Am I viewing this through the lens of Christ? Has Christ so captivated my heart that everything I do is directed by him? Maybe you're here this morning and you've given your life to Christ, but man, you never find joy. You never find meaning. You never find satisfaction in all these things. And you come here and, and you're going like, I just don't see the purpose in all this. There's this dreariness. There's this mundaneness. I'm just ready to retire. I'm just ready to stop having to go to doctor's appointments. I'm just ready to get through school. Whatever this mundaneness that we find ourselves in, maybe we need to stop and say, God, help me see the beauty in this. God, let, let, let me pump the brakes a moment, God, and show me in the busyness and the hustle and bustle of my life God, where do I see you? God, where do I see your beauty? God, where do I see you working in this situation? I asked myself this question yesterday. I was at a four-hour dance recital. (laughs) And just kept going through my brain, God, where do I see the beauty in this? If there's anything mundane, 66 dances in a four-hour time span is mundane. But I also think through the life with Sadie Blake, and you know, one of our favorite seasons with her was, we call it Toddler Sadie, that 18-month to two-and-a-half-year two stage. Such a joy. We see videos and all these things. Like It's so much fun to look back. Time Hop reminds me, and 
we see that season, and then I look at Sadie Blake today and go, man, would I trade the conversations that I get to have with her today to go back to those moments? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I love my, my, my time with her, and we're riding in the car, and she just looks up and says, Daddy, what do you, what do you think is, is better? To be a rich man that has all this money and give some of it to God, or to be a poor old lady that has nothing, gives all she has to God. Which one do you think is better? I said, well, I don't know, Sadie. What, what, what do you, how do you determine what's better? Well, what does that mean? And she looked at me and she said, Daddy, God cares about our heart. I mean, I would think that having all kinds of money and giving a bigger amount of money to God would be better. But that's not what God cares about, Daddy. God, God cares about my heart. He was more pleased with the lady that had nothing and gave all she had. I said, you're right, baby. She said, Daddy, that just, it just confuses me to think about that's what God cares about. Because I always thought money was a big, important thing. And I said, no, baby, God, God cares about our heart. I mean, as much as I enjoyed that season with Sadie Blake and just the, the walk-in and all the little talking and all these things when she was a year and a half, and would I ever trade that season for the season I get today? Uh, that's why I say that we see a beauty in all of life, that every season, even in the hard times, there's beautiful pictures in that. So maybe you're here this morning, and as I've often heard, maybe you're, you're in the middle of a hard time, you're coming out of a hard time, or if those who don't describe you, it means you're about to go into a hard time. Maybe you're in the middle of one right now, and you just go, God, I don't, I don't see it. God, God, help me see the beauty in this. Maybe this morning you just need to come to the altar and cry out to God, help me see your beauty in this. God, let me see your purpose in this. Whatever it is God is burdening us with. My prayer for us today is that we understand God truly has made everything beautiful. That we live in a time between our first breath in our last, in every season, in every moment of our life. No matter how hard or bad it is, it serves for a purpose. And as it serves for a purpose, it serves for someone's glory, and that is for Christ. So as God has been speaking to you this morning, may we be obedient to him right now and submit ourselves to him.